Hello beautiful people and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls One Doc. One Doc. It's your girl BD. It's Forens the fiance. And we're back with a disclaimer. It's uh yeah. it's hot. It's so hot in here. So we so have windows open. In. Yeah, oh, we don't sing Nelly actually on this part. Oh yeah, it's true. Yeah. That's yeah. Do you know what? Oh my God. Fuck these artists and like the yeah, they're all messing music up. and it, oh my god. This is what it's they say. Ignorance is bliss. Literally, like, somebody was like the other day, can somebody remake um all of R. Kelly's music because it slaps? Um, and someone else was like, oh well, when you really think about the fact that you sing about kids, it doesn't slap. And it's like, yeah, I get that, but the music actually does slap. Like, yeah, I, you can't I would make actually... it. Like, it's already it's it's out in the universe and it's out by okay, yeah, it's gonna be that way. It's out, yeah, with you knowing what it's about. But his music was like, oh, it's crazy. God. He's like an evil genius. Like he had such a gift, and God really like nice to him. But then it's like he chose evil. Yeah, he really chose evil. Oh my gosh. Yeah, proper sad. Proper fuck sad. these niggas man fuck these honestly singing ass rapping ass raping ass niggas literally, okay, literally. <laughs> so guys we are bizarre and like just disclaimer well not even a disclaimer just like some info like i'm traveling in like three days and i am all over the place like all in my brain i have like six like checklists and i'm You've going got for a hella really tabs open yeah literally i'm going for a really long time and this always happens before i travel even if i'm only going for like a weekend or a week here i'll have like 20 tabs in my brain and then the second i sit down on that flight i'm like close all tabs sleep yeah it is, literally it, is nice. it really it's is nice. very nice because i oh my room right now it yeah I can't wait to be done. But yeah. Yeah, but it'll be worth it. It'll be a good time. Yeah, it'll be a good time and a long time. So that's going to be good. So this week we are back and we are doing Louis Thoreau. Um, It's Thoreau. I got to get through this. Okay, I I call him Thoreau. I got to make it. It's in a circle. Does he say Thoreau? (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure he said Thoreau. Okay. Anyway, we're doing no, that. Theroux. It's Louis Theroux. Okay, we're doing that guy. Um, and he is doing, and the documentary is called Mothers on the Edge. So we open up. And not, not of glory either. Yeah. So. No, no. Who sang that? Gaga, yeah. Gogs. So we open up in this documentary and we are in southeast London. And Louis is um, in the mother and baby unit of uh, Balham Hospital. Mm. Um, and at this point, we don't really know, like, what really the premise of the documentary is but yeah so we meet a mother called Catherine who has been there for four weeks and she has a six month year old baby a um, six month year old baby that's what i'm thinking that doesn't make sense to me but six month old yeah six month old yeah, okay six month old baby mm. um and basically we learn that she's under section is it sanction section Sac- i thought you said section but sanction well maybe sanction is like police and then yeah. section is like mental health Okay, I'd so assume, guys, sec- please correct us if we're wrong. Correct us, yeah. Yeah. So, like, basically, they this means that if she wants to leave the hospital, they'd restrain her, they'd call the police. Like, she literally has to be there, basically. Mm-hmm. Which is so mad to me, because a lot of times when you hear, I guess it's because, like, celeb culture rehab, but when you hear people, like, going into, like, I guess rehab facilities are a bit different, but you, you always they told that leave. they're free to leave. So it's a bit mm-hmm. mad that, like, yeah, literally, she can't... And, for me, I am extremely claustrophobic. Like, 
I don't like the idea of because like we were having this conversation yesterday, and my sister was like, "Oh, would I go to outer space?" And I was like, "No," because it's very claustrophobic. I know it sounds stupid, but it is because like I can't leave. Like, so is it less? But then is it less about the space that you're in and more about your ability to leave said space? Yes, because you could yes. be in a mansion, but then it's like I can't leave this place. So then you feel yes. like okay, but then maybe there's a different word for that because I feel like claustrophobic is not the right word. I don't know what it is, but I no, I think it's the right word because it's feeling because t- you do feel tight like even in elevators if I was in the elevator and it got stuck I think mm-hmm. I would have like a massive panic attack yeah no but then that's a, that's a physically small space but so it's, it's like, not about feel... the size of the space for but me that's what I'm saying but that's, but that's what I'm saying I feel like it must be a different thing than claust- I don't know what I feel it is. Like claustrophobia it's like this space is so small the walls are closing in I feel as opposed to I'm in this mansion but I cannot leave and that makes me feel anxious or that gives me that makes me feel away do you get what I mean I don't know maybe it's the same thing maybe there's like different types think, of claustrophobia yeah maybe there is because yeah but either way but I get what thought, you're saying that thought of being told like I can't leave this face yeah that yeah. would drive me insane because I'd be cool like I'm in the hospital cool I'm getting help but then once mm. they have the caveat of yeah but you cannot leave it's like, what do you mean I cannot leave yeah like what do you actually mean like I would what are you crazy. talking about Mm. That alone would like push me over the edge. Yeah. So now you're the um, mother on the edge. Fam. So she has twenty four hour surveillance. Um. And again, that that also would drive me crazy because it's just like you always feel like somebody's watching me. <laughs> but yeah. Basically, um. So she explains to Louis that she overdosed the week before, and that's or she tried to overdose, and that's why she's here. It was attempted suicide. Mm. Um. So we learned that she's suffering from postpartum depression. Um, well, not depression, but just issues around ha- just having a baby. Having they haven't baby. actually quite like diagnosed her yet, but I guess it falls under the wider umbrella of like postpartum like depression. Mm. Um, and basically, we learned that she had a de- an eating disorder and anxiety as a teenager. Yeah, yeah, and basically, it, it's developed into what she's experiencing now. Like it's kind of reared its head again um and then so we learn a bit about her background and maybe something that alludes to why she is suffering from postpartum and anybody can have like postpartum depression there's no like this or that or the third which we learn but this kind of shed some light as to how she ended up kind of where she's today which is really sad so basically she said she has she had a termination with her last pregnancy because um at some point during those checkups they do with babies she found out that the baby had a really rare form of down syndrome so they had a termination and like from the way she explains it the baby had like you know fingers nails hair like it was a it was like an, a baby, baby. It was like a baby. It was she, I think she said it was like, like six months or something, though. Yeah, so it was like, like a, it had it was like a baby. It was a baby. Mm. Like my sister was born. I think it was like seven months. So oh, yeah, like that baby could have like essentially survived. That that is so sad though. Like you feel it's something so, it's really heavy. It's like really heavy. For me, it's not even just like if I lost a baby, but it's actually having to give birth to, to birth a st- the baby. No. Yeah. Cause yeah no no just it's it's, yeah. it's it's like how do you even like because that alone like she could have never had another child and that alone was enough to just have you on the ropes literally I wouldn't even trust my body again but yeah so she explains that she got pregnant soon after the termination and like they planned her baby so her son's name is Jake um and she also had a son 
um, with the first pregnancy as well. They planned this baby. Um, and she just said that, like, after giving birth, which was three weeks after her first birth, because she actually did give birth to the child that was stillborn, but... After Three the, weeks after the anniversary, right? The yeah, the anniversary of the first birth. Yeah. She gave birth to Jake and she just said that, like, he was just a reminder of her grief and sadness and it was just all way too connected. And basically yeah. she felt like if she If it had been a girl, it would have been... Well, maybe. We don't know if it would have been... No, I don't think so. Been... I think it's still the concept of, like, a child that... I think, no, I think so. But then she said she said something about, like, it was, like, a baby. It was a son as well. Like, mm. it literally was, like, what this baby maybe could have been. It had we... Do you know what I mean? It's, like, I don't know. Either way, it was going to be difficult. But I reckon yeah. if, it, if it were a girl, or if, it, if the gender were different, then it's kind of like you don't look at this baby and think, oh, Jake... Like 2.0. Do you get what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's so funny because she says that Jake is a rainbow baby, quote unquote, which is basically Mm. a baby that's born after like great sadness. And it just makes me feel, it just makes me think that all like um, cultures like have their own version of things, which obviously we know, but like in like Ibo culture, there's some, like their names you give a baby, like after it comes, like if it comes after like sadness as well, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is, it's just, I just found that interesting. Yeah. But basically, she says that um, she didn't feel any bond or connection to Jake. And it's so crazy to me. This documentary was so insightful. Like, it's probably one of my favourites that we've done, just from what I learned. But it was just so crazy to me that she said she doesn't feel a bond or connection to this baby. Because I feel such strong bonds and connections to babies that, like, are not even mine. Like, if a family member has a baby, I feel like, oh my gosh, I feel bonded. You have a bond to your kids that you haven't even had yet. I was just about to say that. Anybody out there that feels the same way, please let me know. I love my children. I'm willing to lay down my life for kids that I haven't even conceived yet. Like, I feel such a strong connection to my own children. It's mad. I feel a flipping connection to my friends' kids and they don't have kids yet. Like, I already feel like, oh my gosh, I love these children so much. So I find it crazy that someone can birth a child and have a connection to a baby. I was so happy that this whole documentary was a thing. And I'm so happy that she said this because I remember, like, feeling as a child, like, well, not a child, but, like, grown enough and adult-ish, adult-esque. Like, what if I have a kid... And, like, I'm just, like, now what? Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like one of my fears about having children has been, like, what if I'm just not a motherly person? Like, what if I'm just not, like, what if I just don't get it? Like, what if I just can't do it? Because it's just one of those things where, like, there's no there's no qualifications required. Like, all you mm. have to be able to do or all you have to have done is be nutted in. That's literally mm. it. And then have grown the baby and then pushed it out or let it be taken from you. And that's it. Like that's it. Like there's no, yeah. there's no qualification. There's no like to do list. There's no preparation. Like you either can do what you can't. And then sometimes I look at people and I'm like, oh, if this person can do it, I'm sure I can do it. But then it's like, what if you have the baby, and you just look at this thing and you're just like, cool. Yeah. Like we saying. Kind but of I thing. think babies are like marriage, which is like everybody does it their own way. Like the way I'm going to be a mother is not how you're going to be a mother. It's not how my sister's going to be a mother. It's not how your sister, like, like it's going to be different. So, But it I is, it is. But with a marriage, yeah, you are with the person and then you marry the person. With motherhood, like, we're all just doing this right now. Like, I've had you, we're here, we're here, we're here now. I can't, yeah. I can't be like, oh, sorry, let's call off this motherhood now. Like, that's it, yeah. I'm done. You're like, yeah, it's literally yes. like, we're, we're here now, like, like yeah, so seeing Catherine say like oh I didn't I didn't feel they connect obviously her situation is so much more deep than me yeah. being scared that I'm gonna hate kids or whatever yeah but like Catherine like saying that it's just like I feel like as women like 
it's just assumed that you're just going to, like, love this kid. Yeah. <laughs> or you're just going to, like, get, you're going to pop the kid out. And it's like, woo, mummy life. Like, you know? Yeah. And it's good to see that that's not always the case. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. Like, even with me, I was watching this documentary and, like, there was a point where they said that some babies are planned and women still slip into, like, this depression. Mm-hmm. And I just thought about, like, myself. Like, I have such, I don't know grand ideas of being a mother and the way I'm going to feel and it's not even just society telling me it's just that I'm a very motherly like nurturing person like I just have all these fantasies about the relationship I have with my kids and the bond and I'm like yeah I can't wait to breastfeed to feel that connection but yeah I was just like it made me realize like what if I give birth and I have like this like severe depression and I don't feel any of those things it's sad and it's scary this is what I'm saying there's no and even this is a lot less um this is a lot less uh, emotional, mental health related, but like people lose their teeth. Yeah. In pregnancy. People like, those have mad things blood can clots happen. in their milk. Yeah. As in, like, you could die, oh. right? As in, like, at, I mean, you could die. At the height of it, yeah, you child. could die. And there's, no, and there's no guarantees or no anything. And it's not to be depressive about the whole thing. Obviously, millions of women give birth and they're fine. I mean, every single person here is an example of a birth that resulted in a baby. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But like, I don't know, like, it's this, there's just so much. And I think it's just been made so, like, normal. Like, oh, yeah, you just get you get married, you have a baby, you know, whatever. And it's mm. like, fam, this is not an easy thing. Like, it's mm. not an easy thing. Like, it's not like a marathon you can just train for and then, like, you know, in a couple of years you'll be ready. Like, you, you are never ready. You just become ready at the point at which you get pregnant. Or you don't. Mm. Or you do, like, it's, it's just, it's so wild. That it's yeah, just, it's, it's just, wild. Like a normal thing that you do as a woman, you're expected to just kind of give birth, have a kid, raise a kid, it's fine. But it's actually such a wild concept. Like, if you sit down and think about everything about it, it's crazy. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense that we put ourselves through it either. It's like, we know, it's like walking to the flipping, like, slaughterhouse. Like, you know what's like, obviously you're not like... Once you've done it once, yeah. When you did it again, that was a choice, okay? So mm. all the eldest children, cool. Do you know what I mean? Cool. They did it again. On purpose. My mum did it twice over. I don't know what that woman was. And she was super ill with my middle sister as well. So I don't know what made her think, oh, you know what I'm going to do today? Get pregnant. Like, It must be crack. It must be. But apparently there's this hormone that's released, like, after you have a baby that makes women forget. So, like, but I don't know if that's true because when she recounts, I'm the only baby she gave birth to, like, vaginally. Um, mm-hmm. And she can very clearly tell you everything that day. So I don't know if that's true, but apparently there is some hormone. Well, they, I don't know that it makes you forget because my mum was, well, my mum didn't know what she was chatting about. She had me by C-section. So did she, what did she even do? Yeah. But um, <laughs> she was saying how like um, when you are, you give birth, because she had my sister naturally, you're in pain, right? But then like when you hold the baby, it's like all the pain goes away because it's replaced by how happy and joyous you are, blah, blah, blah. Like I can understand that like, you know, when your when your mind is distracted by something, mm. you you forget the pain of things. Mm. Like not to use a stupid example, but like you know when you're getting your hair done and braids her after it's done, but like you look like a buffing and like right, cool. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I can I can understand. I can imagine like kind of like not forgetting the pain, but like it being replaced by I'm so happy, I have this baby to look after forever and ever and ever. You know. <laughs> Let's hope so, because I have a low pain threshold, so I Yeah, I can't know. even imagine you giving birth. Like, it doesn't even seem on brand to you. Like, I can just imagine you, like... Yes. And then they're like, oh, they're like, oh, you need to push. And you're like, oh, 
Oh, do I have to? Oh, do I have to? Like, uh, that's Can't you push for me? Uh, just do it. Just please like, oh. do it. And then they'll be like, just we just need one push. And you'll be like, mm, <laughs> is it out? And they're like, no, nigga. No, <laughs> it's literally, not. it's not even crowding. Like, I cannot even see hair. Like, nothing. <laughs> no, given, I, like, giving birth is, it's just like Mariah Carey. I could not imagine how she gave birth to those twins. Yeah, like, very it's very off brand. Off brand. Literally, yeah, it doesn't I, make sense. I definitely feel like if I was a celebrity, that is exactly who yeah, I would be. Yeah, that's who you'd be. be. Like, that's what you should have said in the Rockelet episode. Mariah Carey. Literally Mariah Carey. Like, Jenner. <laughs> without, no, yeah, actually shit. I don't know why I didn't say her, but without a shadow mm. of doubt, I would be Mariah Carey, like, if I was a celebrity. Yeah, I am her definitely. and I'm not even a celebrity. Like, we are yeah. the same personality. Drama queens, princesses. Like, so I Except just you genuinely, can't sing. Yeah, well... That's debatable. It's open to interpretation. Depends on what you consider singing. Yeah, I don't know how yeah. I'm going to push, but like yeah, my fiance has told me that if I don't get epidural, he is not fucking coming anywhere near. He's like, he said to me, you can't handle it natural. Because I was like, yeah, I want to do natural. Let me just... No, the only the reason that you want to push is because you want to push present. Otherwise, C-section, no, I'm surrogate. S- I'm still... I mean, even, even if I had a C-section or a surrogate, I would still get a push present. Okay, of course. Oh, but, oh, but of it's course. about bringing life into this world. It's not about which method or means. Either way, I brought the life into the world, so you okay. give me a present. Well, fair. Damn. What the shit men say about all oh, the babies are present? Are you bonkers? Like the baby, the baby that I have to take care of is a present. You better buy my me ma- my mum always bag. says, "Don't buy me presents I need to take care of." <laughs> First Bam. of all, Bam. Anyways, so. Yeah, she says that Catherine says that she basically tried to kill herself because she just felt like Jake deserved a better mother who loves him. Um, and I, I also was wondering, like, how do you take care of a baby you don't love? But I think we learned that these women are still very capable of, like, looking after mm-hmm. their kid, taking care of them, maintaining welfare. It's just some of for some of them, the connection bit is what's off. And it's also like nannies can take care of babies, and that's not their baby. Exactly. So they don't she have shows that same us... bond with them, but like they're a human yeah. being. They have some empathy. Like you can take care of a baby. Yeah. Even just bad vibes. Yeah. So she shows us like this Instagram where she looks all happy, and she posts pictures of Jake, and she just says that on Instagram she feels like social media in general. She feels like the pressure to portray a perfect image, and I mean this this is something we all been known. Like people will be going through hell. And we'll still post that picture, like, looking good. And everything mm-hmm. you see online isn't real. Edits, this and that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we all knew this, but it's just wild that, like, she literally posted some of those pictures at her lowest when she felt suicidal. Like, it's very crazy to me. And this is why I advocate for social media breaks. Yeah, and it's also very crazy that, like, she felt like, imagine you're going through a mental crisis. And in your mind, you're thinking, okay, I need to post this picture so it looks like I'm okay. Yeah. That's very wild. I get the vibe that she's some sort of influencer or something of the sort. I don't know. Influencer adjacent. Yeah, I get that vibe. She's in one of the Facebook ones. Like, you know when we did the the family man, family murderer one? Yeah. Yeah. um, Shanann was a very Facebook-y poster. She gave me that kind of vibe. Yeah, exactly. So now we meet um, another new mum called Barbara who's also come to the mother and baby ward and she had postpartum psychosis um this was scary, literally boy. um and she was being sectioned for, with delusional thoughts and confusion so basically like it just seems like she was very confused and discombob and like mm-hmm. her image of what was going on was distorted so basically her husband explains that she had been having suicidal thoughts and um 
she was really struggling and stuff like that. And then one night in the middle of the night, like she goes to the train station to like kill herself. And the first time I ever heard of postpartum or is it postnatal? I don't know which, what to call it, but either one. The first time I heard of that form of depression was I was reading an article and this woman, I was quite young, and this woman had postpartum depression and literally her husband was out that evening and she left her baby in the house and literally went and walked for miles to the motorway and literally walked into traffic and died. And I was just like, whoa. And the baby was just at home, door open, crying. So imagine the husband coming home, the door oh is God. open, your baby's crying. First thing you're thinking is somebody has come into this house and killed my wife. You're yeah. looking for your wife only to find out that, like, yeah, she walked into the middle of the, like, thing and killed herself. And also, that's one of my other biggest fears, like, driving in the middle of the night. Because you know some motorways are really ill-lit. And then somebody just walking, mm. like, out into the road, like, child. That's terrifying. But yeah, so she basically had tried to go to the train station and kill herself. And um, that's why she got brought... That was basically the, the final straw and she got brought here. So there's this really weird bit when her, her husband is, like, explaining all of this stuff. And, like, first of all, she's really, like, edgy when Louis comes mm-hmm. about. Like, she doesn't know if she wants to sit down and be part of the conversation or not. She's really jittery and she's saying she wants to make everybody feel comfortable. And, like, obviously everybody's trying to make her feel comfortable because mm-hmm. she's the one that's going through stuff. And then she says this really weird thing about, like, how her husband is the one that's being sectioned <laughs> because he's having postnatal <laughs> depression. Did you, know, did you know how this was really strange? Because it was like, so she's Spanish, right? And so I was like, okay, this is not a language barrier thing. No. Because she fully understands and she's able to speak and like, you know, she can respond like everything is fine. We can understand her perfectly. It's just she, what she's she saying is not to making understand sense. Right, but it just sounds, it sounds like, imagine if she didn't speak English, right? And someone was trying to explain something to her, but like, it was getting lost in translation. It kind of sounded like that, but then it wasn't, it couldn't have been that, because she understood everything, and her English was great. So it was like... that's it's crazy I can to it. see somebody like go like really literally witness it's really it. scary because the thing about this documentary is other than well there's one other mum where we see kind of her own like mental health play into it but like with Catherine we didn't firsthand see anything so mm. this was very interesting and basically and also Barbara her, was fine before apparently like she was normal yeah was fine normal, never no mental health issues. history yeah exactly nothing so basically she was just saying that like oh yeah her husband's the one that has like psychosis and he was just like okay cool and then basically she was like yeah she feels the need to protect her baby because her husband is the baby's brother and she's the mother of her husband Mm -hmm. and Louis was just like huh and he tells her huh so I was just like okay sis like you need to go and take some treatment that they're giving you here because this this is crazy so it was actually so wild and the thing is that she wasn't trolling like she actually believed this she actually believed her husband in this in this moment because it was like imagine you like you have, and as much as like I, I would scream, men are trash. Yeah, it must, it must be a different feeling for them because in this whole childbirth, pregnancy thing, like they, they don't, it's out of their control as well. Mm. Like all they can do is like make you as comfortable as possible. In mm. this situation where like this woman has birthed your child, and as a result of birthing your child, she she's has now, now she now has psychosis. Mm. As a result of that. And it's like, the baby still needs to be taken care of. Your wife needs to be taken care of. You almost lost your wife because it's not who she was before she had the baby. Mm. Mm. And it's just like, that's just a lot for everybody involved to deal with. Yeah. It's true. So, we meet another mother, Lisa. And this isn't even her first, like, um, rodeo. Like, she's had postnatal depression before. 
um, with her other two kids. But I'm guessing from the from what's implied during the documentary, I think this is the worst she's had it. Mm. Um, and she was literally fine when she had her baby. She felt like she finally this was the first experience she was having where like she was really in control. She was super mom. She was happy. She was with her kids. She was able to take them all out to the cinema and stuff. So then she has this um, Hindu in Marbella. And her baby wasn't taken to the bottle. So she had to kind of like call Turkey, force her to stop. And then she goes to my baby, comes home. And then that day she comes home, she calls her husband. She's like, yeah, I can't, I can't do this with these kids anymore. So obviously like, you're probably thinking like, a lot of women say this during the day, the kids are driving. It's been a hard day. Yeah, Yeah. like literally up the wall, like fine, cool, whatever. And then her husband just said from there, there was like a decline in her mental health. She wouldn't get out of bed. Um... She felt like she just couldn't face the world. Um, And basically, there was a complete shift in her personality. And she says that, like, there was a day she was eating dinner and she basically said to her husband, like, yeah, like, they're going to be killer clowns that come in and kill all of us. And she said that, like, she could very vividly see that this was about to happen. And she had such crippling, like, fear and anxiety that she could still feel it in her chest. And, like, Louis was like like, to her, like, so now do you see that you were being ridiculous? She was like, yeah, I know that I was being ridiculous, but I can still feel that fear that I feel felt then. It's mad. Speaking to people with... um. I remember I had a patient who had really bad anxiety um, and she was just saying, like, I know that I'm being irrational. I know that these things are not going to, are unlikely to happen. I know that this is not, you know, a normal way mm. to think, but I cannot help but be consumed by the thoughts and the fears and the anxiety. And that's what it reminded me of when I heard that bit, because it was like, I know, obviously I know there are not killer clowns coming mm. to kill us all. But mm. at the time... That is my biggest fear. Biggest is that there fear, are killer yeah. clowns coming. And it's like, it's like fighting yourself because it's like, I know, I know that this is not going to happen. Mm. But I'm so terrified because it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it must, it must really be crazy. And it's like you can't just if you're having a mental health crisis and it's just you yourself and you, yeah. If you don't shower for three days, if you don't eat for five nights, like it really is you and you. But mm. like when you now have dependence, it's like that you have to be on present for. Right. It's like you, you, it's like, like, do you even have the time? Cause it's like, um, not Barbara, what's her name? Lisa. Lisa was saying like, she was on it. She was like super mum for the first like six months or however long it was. Mm. And it's just like, it's so, it's so crazy. Because yeah. you see so I'm, many different yeah. types of mum during this yeah. documentary. And it's like, so many every single one of them has been affected. So Louis basically says, The physical and emotional trauma of giving birth and coping with a newborn is in many cases aggravated by a sense of unrealistic expectations of what having a baby is like. The gap between how society tells mums they should be and what that reality may be is more complicated. So basically, I feel like this literally sums up a lot of what goes on like in... I don't want to say today's society to like trivialise what women before us went through, but Mm. I just feel like, again, with like stuff like social media and things like that, like... Even when you watch, um, it's so funny. So, like, recently I've been watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Don't judge me, but it's the I'll final judge season. Already. I've just been waiting. <laughs> I've just been waiting to see if like Kim's going to talk about her divorce with Kanye. And one thing I noted the other day was like, so like Kris Jenner was moving out of her house basically, and like mm. you see her like there, like get, getting all her shit together, and it's done overnight. Like she moved, like she literally moves out of her house in one day, and so does Chloe. And it's just funny because it's like. 
you will sit here watching this show and you'll see like Chloe move out of her house and you think, wow, this woman does it all, like businesses, she's a mum, she has a relationship, her nigga cheats tirelessly, she, <laughs> <laughs> she moves out of her house. How does she do it? Oh my God, wow. And they never ever show like their staff. It's so funny to me. I don't know if it's like, like NDAs or whatever that makes them not show their staff. But when you watch a show, it just looks like these mm-hmm. are like women who like run their shit themselves. And you're watching that and you're thinking, obviously, you'd be ridiculous to think that they do half their shit themselves. But yeah, this is yeah. like the image that's portrayed on like portrayed. social media. And Literally, that's what people you think, then think. Like it, being a mother should be, you should be able to run all these businesses. You should be able to be present for each of your kids. You should be able to do this, do that, do the third. And it's like, it's so unrealistic. And even that stuff you're saying about like, oh, women should be maternal. Men never sit down and think to themselves, like, I've had so many conversations with my fiance about like if I'd be a good mother and um, would I do this right? Would I do that right? And a lot of it comes from like him um, reassuring me. But I've never heard a man come out and say like, I don't know if I'm going to be a good dad. What if I'm not paternal? What if I'm this? All they say is, oh, I know I don't want a daughter because girls are hoes. Yeah, Other than um... that, other than that, I never hear guys like have those feelings. And it's because society puts so much pressure on women. And women are always seen as the primary caregivers. Like caregivers, they are yeah. the ones that are meant to like be there for the emotional labor, Nurture, the domestic blah, blah, labor. Blah. It's mm. ridiculous. And this is where some of it comes. I really believe that if a lot of the um parenting kind of workload was divided equally, it would be a massive help on women's mental health because some women even get pregnant and start thinking to themselves, okay, well, I have to stop doing this and that, things they love because now they're a mother because either yeah, society deems wine. those things as unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> either society deems those things as unacceptable or they just don't have the time to do those things anymore. You know, it's very, it's very, very true. And this takes me back to the episode, I think it was 47, Little White Lie, where, yes, um, Lacey's mum was trash, but when she said, look, like, before I was your mum, like, I was a woman... Um, and it's like I'm a woman first and I and so this is the thing I I like I believe obviously you have a baby and that baby your children are a priority they should you know you should give them your undivided attention all your love provide protect nurture all that good stuff we know la 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 cool yeah but at the end of the day yeah I am a human being I am a woman first and it's like on the airplane where they say put your mask on first before you start trying mm-hmm. to help people with their mask on so I am like I'm really hoping that say I'm a mother I'm still you gonna be out here on. doing up girls trips yeah I'm still gonna be out here doing up date night I'm still gonna be out here doing up spa days doing my nails doing my hair feeling like a bad bitch because like I've said in the past episode, I was a bad bitch before I was your mother. And 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 I just I just I sh- a bad bitch I shall remain. A bad bitch I shall remain. So I just don't yeah. I just don't want it to be that like I I lose my identity. Like one of my biggest fears yeah, about getting married or having kids is like losing my identity and becoming the roles that I now mm. play. Because right now, I, like yeah. I am me. Like, I don't even like to say too tough that, oh, I'm an optometrist. Like I try now and say like I work as an optometrist because I don't want that to just be my identity. Mm. Do you get what I mean? Like, I want it to be a thing where it's like, I am me, yeah, and I play these particular roles, mm. and that's 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 all together is all the thing. I don't want it to be like, oh, I'm this person's mum or this person's wife. Yeah, I think it also comes down to who you marry, though. And as I'm honestly bit. being tr- tr- truthful. I don't think there's anything more to it. Like, you just have to marry someone. The way I see it is, like, you have to be with someone who feeds 
your soul and feeds who you are. You as a like, person, yeah. Literally, you don't want somebody who like starves you. Stifles you. Are, you. Like, yeah, like, and I think that's where it comes from. That as I am today, my fiance knows there's certain things I like doing, and. I will still want to do those things after we get married and have kids. Mm-hmm. And he's very supportive and encouraging of those things. So Because mm-hmm. that's I what makes you who you are. Exactly. And that's who he fell in love with. Vice versa. Like I wouldn't want him to stop doing certain things because we're married and he has kids. So I don't know. I just think that's it really does come down to having a supportive partner. And I mean, I don't know these women in and out, but they seem to have supportive partners and they're still, mm-hmm. you know, but either way, I just think it comes from having, like, it help, It helps having somebody there who's going to support Yeah, I think it's definitely you. a positive factor. Um, I think, like, it can, it can still be shit. Like, you can have everything and still have the depression. Yeah, because if I had a man that wanted fresh soup every day and he wanted me to be dressed from, like, in long skirts and whatever... I would feel crazy pressured having kids and settling down because I'm um, like, shit, like... your breast disease. My whole life... Fam. Um, <laughs> you the man that's going to tell you, listen, show that cleavage. Get, get him out. Get him out. That keeps my shit standing. Like, that's what you want. Like, I'm trying to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this also just reminds me of... I don't know if I told you to watch it. It's on BBC. It's called Mother Motherland. Yeah, I think I've told you to watch it. I think you did, yeah. I think you did. Yeah. It reminds me of that because basically these are mothers just navigating and they're two, well, one's a father, but they're two, like, they're different kinds <laughs> of parents. And there's one where her husband is just shit. Like, she's always frazzled and, like, struggling to take care of her kids and, like, do her job. And her husband will just be, like, on a beach somewhere or he'll be cycling somewhere. Like, he, yeah, just watch the show. But, yeah. Oh, I don't want to be angry, man. So we're back with Catherine and it's so cute because like Louis is changing her son. And like we've said before that we feel like Louis on the spectrum or something. But like this just shows you like the, I don't know, like I feel like around kids, he's just not awkward. Louis is amazing with children. Like I have this note. Louis is amazing with kids. He is the, like it was kind of turning me on. I was like, I I was like, I was like, I was like, Louis? You trying to have some more nah, kids? I'm not gonna lie. I was, I was, I was looking at him no. away. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not Fam. gonna lie. There's something I'm sexy about lie. guys that can take care of kids. I'm sorry, but yeah. like maybe this is why I like dads. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Sorry, I'm not say dads. dads. Okay. Uh, no, not oh, dads, that's like, to me. Not like not like uncles. I like dads, like like Idris Elba kind of dads. Okay, but sorry, I go back to my original point. Is your is your fiance a dad? No, no, he's not. Like I don't he, know. He, he's finna be soon, so then I'm gonna like okay. be. Listen, I've not said soon, I don't soon. have. I don't have my rich auntie money together yet, so you need to wait, please. Let's blow first, please. Ah, <laughs> huh? let's blow first. No, but yeah, Louis out. was doing thangs, thangs. Like he was all changing the nappy. He's like, yeah, like, yeah. and I was like, oh, okay. He was so, and then even like, even like, oh, okay, well, yeah. Anyway, there's a bit where like. Jake is like, oh, I did a poo, I did a poo. And then he and knows then and Jake is, like, yeah, but he has the other one. Yeah, Lou was like, oh, can I see, let's see Jake's poo. Let's so, oh, it's a big boy poo. He was like, it's a big boy poo. And Jake was so excited. And it was like, oh, it was the other like, Jake, not, not the baby Jake, the, the big uh, Jake. Was no, the other one called, called Jake, Jake, Jake as well? Oh, mm-hmm, I don't the know. Called Jake. But yeah. like, also, I just feel like, so with Louis, yeah, he's really weird. I feel like he's really weird around adults. And there are even times in this documentary, I'm like, I was like, oh, Louis, like, why are you saying this? Like, yeah. that's just his vibe. And also, you know, he means well. I just think he struggles with communication or showing, communicating or showing empathy in his communication. But like with kids, mm. it's just like, he... He's like a child. Yeah. yeah like but the thing is, I don't but think But it wasn't in an show... abaya kind of way. It was just like... Yeah, he's... natural. 
like yeah. a nursery teacher, like a good nursery teacher. I feel like I don't know that he he struggles to to show empathy because even the bit with Barbara where. It was really awkward because he basically, like um, Forens explained, oof, I almost said governments, like Forens explained, yeah, yes. it was, um, <laughs> he was basically just saying like, you know, are you, are you comfortable? Should I talk to you? Should I talk to your husband? And she was just like, oh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm uncomfortable. And he was like, oh, if you're uncomfortable, I'll speak to your husband instead. So it was, it was very much like mindful of how she felt and mm. things, but it is always going to be a little bit awkward because of the situation and also because it's Louis. But like yeah. you said, I agree in that. Like with kids, I don't know. It's like it's like a layer has. It's like it's like he exhales when he's talking to kids. Yeah. And when it's adults, it's like he's he's not breathing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So we basically learned that Catherine has been diagnosed with emotionally unstable personality disorder, which I'd never heard of before this. But I think yeah. it's quite self-explanatory, um, and it can be treated easily, like with um, which. Sorry, it can't be treated easily with medication. So it's like different to like other forms of like issues you face with postpartum. Like this actually cannot be treated quite easily. Um, and she explains that like basically what is missing from her relationship with her son is a feeling of love like that rush of love she said she didn't have it with Jake but she had it with the first kid like when it was born the the first baby was born she just felt like this rush of emotion and love and need to protect that kid but with Jake she just felt nothing um and like as they dig deeper into this conversation like Louis basically concludes that what what she has might be some self-preservation like she's been hurt with her first kid dying Mm -hmm. so part of her her is trying to protect herself from you know something happening to this kid yeah which is like you can't have with your baby but yeah Mm. um and she says she wants to love jake like she wants to fall in love with him and she wants to be able to come out and say like i would do anything like for my kid so which which shows which goes to show that like even amidst the depression it's like look i want to love you yeah i just cannot right now kind of thing yeah so Louis is kind of confused as to like if people can really come out and say they don't feel anything for their babies. And one of the psychiatrists says, when people say they don't feel anything for their baby, it is absolutely real because these things are on a spectrum, aren't they? And, and even some resentment, I suppose. Resentment, yeah, feeling nothing, almost hating the baby, wishing the baby were not there, dead sometimes. It's because people hide what they're really feeling. It's meant to be a happy time, isn't it? The business of having a baby is supposed to be a really happy time. So because of that, people put on all sorts of masks to hide what's really going on. And that is so true. Like... I think when you have a baby, everyone thinks automatically you're happy, you're at peace, you're this, and also you're that, that you should be you should be privileged because some people can't have kids. So how do you have a kid and then you don't even feel Fam. like you want the kid? That's bullshit. That's bullshit. Honestly. Because think about it, I have a kid now, and then I'm like, oh, do you know what? I, uh, I'm not really fucking with this kid, you know, I'm not going to lie. You're going to look at me like, fam, what? What? Like, it's, it's not the kind of thing that you just say in the group chat. It's not the kind of thing you just express. Yeah. And so I think that also leads to feelings of, like, isolation as well, which cannot yeah. help with the, like, yeah. on top of the other things you're feeling. Issues you're facing, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. So we meet 25-year-old Marie, who gave birth five weeks earlier. So she's been in quite... She came in quite quickly after becoming a mother. Um, And she had a very traumatic birth, which affected her mental health. 
um, leading to suicidal thoughts. And basically she says that this was very, very insightful and interesting. So she explains that her birth brought up memories of sexual assault, which she wasn't prepared for. And I was thinking, mm, how? But then I realised, like, basically what she was saying was just that there were loads of people there, like, she was in a very private and intimate moment, and she just kind of, like, felt like she didn't have control of the situation. And I've never actually thought about that in regards to, like, um, like sexual assault. Mm. I thought maybe the baby had been born of sexual assault. That's why it triggered her, but it, it hadn't. She was assaulted three I, years before. I think, I think it also could be a case of, like, you know, when when someone's been sexually assaulted and they do, like, a rape kit. That's very similar in, like, you're, like, in a hospital, legs mm, open, clinical. you're doing all these tests, swabs, everything's, everyone's around there. Do you know, well, mm. not everyone's around. I'm sure that it's quite private, but it's just that sort of environment where it's, like, they're just, they're at, they're at your vagina doing things. Mm. And you're not, like like you said, you're not in control. Yeah. Like, you just, so, I mean, yeah. yeah it can't be really easy. Sad. Speaking of people being, like, all up in your vagina, like, I literally had another smear test, and that was... When did you have it? Today? No, I had it on Monday. How was that? I mean, it wasn't pleasant. But I think, I guess, like, now you're more, like, prepared. I was more prepared because this is what my... It was actually just my second one. And do you know what? Compared to, like, the biopsy, Mm -hmm. like, this is like, oh, okay. Yeah, not like Hacking at my womb, literally. So, like, yeah, it was, yeah, but it was... I, I mean, I recommend every woman. woman go out there and have your smear Yeah. Test, I'm dreading my next one. I hate... I, anyway, that's a, yours that's is, a story for I think day. you'll do one every two years, right? Or every yeah, year. Yeah, I think it's three. Yeah, exactly. So you'll come. But, like, I think mine might be yeah, annual Yeah, but the day now. will come. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But, like, I literally said to a woman, lube that shit up. Like, put a mm. lot of lube. She was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't. Listen. It was my, so... Anyway, un- you know my story. I... I don't know. I, I even tried to think of, like, sexy thoughts to, like, you know... Yeah, wet up a bit. Yeah, Something. like... How can you? That environment is just... I, I Yeah. Maybe we'll do a credit on smear test one day. Yeah, I when think I'm, we definitely when, should. When the trauma... When, the, when I've gotten over... You've healed trauma. from the trauma. <laughs> I'm still... I'm st- literally, I'm still healing to this day. I'm telling you. But anyway... Um, <laughs> so we meet, we meet her own partner. He looks a lot older than her. Didn't you get that vibe? Yeah, he, yeah, he's, yeah. No, he's a he. he not, not, yeah, no, he doesn't do it weird. No, he does seem older than he. I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's a really sad situation. That's what we're talking about. So she did seem very, like, forlorn and sad and things. But she was 25. But we knew that much. He looked yeah. at least 45. Yeah, he does look quite old. Yeah. Quite old and quite, like, fatherly. Yeah. But not in, like, a good way. Not in the way we were talking about before with Louis and Idris. No. He just, just looked like. Not, not daddy, like, fatherly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, if you call him daddy, <laughs> hey man, and get your panties. Um, daddy, daddy, daddy. It's a bit peak because that guy's dead. You know. What guy's dead? You know. Uh, oh no, no, no. Sorry, I'm thinking of the. I'm thinking of the wrong sister. But you know Trina's husband. Yeah, Trina's Gabe. 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 Yeah, he's yeah, dead. Gabe. Yeah, yeah, he's dead. Yeah, but he's been dead, right? Well, I mean, maybe three. How four did he years. die again? I remember hearing. Apparently, that he was like dead. cancer. Cancer. That's so sad, man. Yeah, it's so that's... weird. I find I feel like reality TV, yeah, or just cameras and videography in general, yeah, it's so weird because it like immortalizes everyone and everything. Mm. Like I'm rewatching Real Housewives of Atlanta season three, yeah, and there's like the bit where they're talking about Cynthia and Paul and Paul, you know, wow, is this blue therapy? Uh, and Peter getting married, yeah, mm. and it's like it's crazy because like I'm literally watching you guys get married, and Cynthia is now married to somebody else. It's crazy, mm. like everything. But like, like now. That marriage just makes zero sense to me. 
it never made sense, even at the time. Well, okay, it's true. At the time, I wasn't thinking that, but like now I'm watching it back. I'm like, how are you guys even together? Yeah. But, but what but what I'm saying is that like it's forever though. Like it's not just a thing that you can forget. Because for me, the way my memory is set up, I could marry have married someone at 19 and I would have forgotten all about it by now. Yeah. Like, relationships I've been in, like I don't even remember the ins and outs. Yeah. Of relationship. But if that had all been on camera, Fact, then that's I can never forget. Literally, like, again, sorry to reference Keeping Up With The Kardashians, but, like, they were talking about their kids watching the show, yeah? And Kiss was like... No, not Chris. Uh, Kim was like, oh, my God. You know, I just... I just don't want them to come and ask, like, um, who's Chris Humphreys? Like, I just I just don't want to have to answer that. And I was like, okay, well, if you don't fucking want to answer that, you shouldn't have had a flipping jamboree for all people to see. And, like, <laughs> you shouldn't have married this guy and gotten divorced in 72 days. Like, what the hell are you talking about? And, like, for That's me so as well, nice. it was just, like, unnecessary. Like, if I was Chris watching it, I'd have been like, keep my name out your fucking mouth. Because it's, like, it's a very yeah. simple conversation to have your kids. Yeah, mummy was married. Yeah, and, I like, now... Yeah, literally, like, I don't know why she was going on as if that was even the sex tape that they were... As like, if that was the worst of it. Literally. Fact, literally, as if that was the worst of all the things that had been happened. I said, wait. A divorce is what you're scared to tell your kids about. Literally. The one that you're currently going she through dated, now. She dated her flipping bodyguard on that show. The origin of the show shows, like, the sex tape, which, again, like, fine. Like, I'm not saying that she should be embarrassed about the sex tape, but that is a more awkward conversation to have with your kids than, like, yeah, oh, I was married and I got, got divorced. divorced. Like, what the hell? Because Anyways. I'm I'm currently divorcing from your own father. So if you can understand that one, you can totally understand that yeah, i Surely, literally, surely. <laughs> like... <laughs> So anyways, back to um, yes, Barb's, yes. not Barb's, Marie. So Marie and her partner, they show him and he looks a bit older. And basically they're in therapy and he says that he feels some guilt about her assault because the night it happened, she called him and basically told her to, him to pick her up from the station. And then he was like running a bit late and he keeps saying to himself that if he had just been there three minutes earlier, like he would have been able to do something to prevent the assault. And she's basically just saying that like, you know, he would have done what he wanted to do either way. This is the thing. It starts with her like kind of saying that she she didn't want to talk about how she was feeling because she didn't want to make the, the partner feel bad. And so then I was like, why would the partner feel bad? Like about mm. how, about something that happened. To, I mean, I get why he'd feel bad, you know, but she was kind of making like, I didn't want him to feel guilty or didn't want him to feel, you know, yeah. Whatever. So it's kind of like a sore spot in the relationship where it's like, if he had been there at the time that he said he would, then maybe yeah. that wouldn't have happened. And yeah. Which is really sad. Like, I I did, I really felt bad for him. Like, I'm not even here to, like, could, like you know, console men and stuff. Yeah. But I, felt, I, I felt drink really their tears. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I use them to wash my body. But um, I felt really bad for him. I mean, the whole situation is, is really sad. But it's yeah. like... It's not his fault that when when it comes to these situations and assaults and things, it is the fault of the person who committed the assailant. The crime. Yeah. yeah, it the okay, okay, cop one hundred and one. It's the assailant. Uh, law and order take. SBU. Dun dun. Um. So it's the assailant who should take the guilt or the yeah. guilt, take the responsibility. It's no one else's fault because if yeah. he hadn't chosen to do that that day, then it would. It wouldn't happened. have happened. Yeah. Exactly. Everything exactly. else you'd think you could have done to prevent it. The point is, if he hadn't made that choice, it wouldn't have happened. Exactly. So we're back with Lisa now, who's home, and she's get, still getting regular visits from the hospital. And her kids all seem, like, happy and healthy to have her back. And, again, it was just cute seeing Louis play with the kids. And this is when oh, he goes to look at the so poo. Good. Yeah, he's so good. Yeah, turning good. me all the way on. Honestly, um, I'm glad it's not just me, because... Fam, I don't worry, I, I crossed my legs when I was watching it. Literally, I was like, wait... <laughs> 
What is what am I feeling? What am I? What is this moisture? Um, <laughs> Not the moisture. <laughs> so Lisa says basically since coming home, she's been relying on support of friends and family, and which makes sense because her friend she's that she's st- with is lovely. Lovely. Um, and basically, she's still kind of suffering from the effects of her anti uh, her anxiety medication, and she explains that she's had a lot of low, a lot more lows than highs, um, and some days she can't, can't even get out of bed. So it just for me, I was kind of, oh, is it good for her to be back home? Because it seems like she's slipping back into mm-hmm. where she was before, um, and she just looks really out of it. Like, I'm not saying yeah. that she was high at all but that's the only way I can explain how she looked she literally looked like she was high like yeah but it she... also looked a bit like di- dissociative like yeah like yeah. she was high but then also with like a you know sometimes when you're well I would imagine if somebody were to be high then it's almost as if like you're almost happy with it do you know what I mean or like yeah with it, or like you know whatever there's like the emotion attached to being high does not seem like sadness or depression. Yeah. Or you might just be in thought or confused or happy or giggly or whatever. But like with Lisa, it was just like she was like she was high, but she was like really sad, like mm. really, really like down. Yeah, it's true. Um, and basically she says that she just doesn't get any pre- pleasure from her children anymore and she just sees them as complete hard work and Louis like does this really I guess it depends on how you view it but I think it's quite reassuring. and he basically says to her like yeah like a lot of parents feel that way like there are times when I know my parents must look at us and be like these children are a headache like just the same way there must have moments where they're like I'm so happy we had these kids mm-hmm. so it's a natural thing but I guess obviously we all know that with mental health there's a lot more than just a feeling like exactly. it's it's literally like a state of your the state of your mind basically yeah so we go back to Catherine now because this documentary jumps between like these kind of I think Catherine and Lisa are the main two but then we do a little bit of barbs but yeah we're back with Catherine now and she's basically granted unsupervised leave from the mother and baby unit um and she fails to come back so they start looking for her and then she communicates with her partner, Chris, telling him that like, she wants to t- uh, kill herself, that this is the end. Like, he's never going to see her again and she takes 65 tablets. So they yeah. contact the police and basically they're saying that, yeah, they 100% believe that she could kill herself. Like, you know, she's she's not stable. She's done and, this before. But, yeah. So 10 hours later, they find her and she's overdosed in a hotel room. Um, but she's alive. I didn't think she would be. I really didn't think she would be. But... I thought she would be. I mean, I guess I thought she would be because they kept it in the documentary. documentary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we go back to Barbara now. We don't see um, Catherine. We just hear of this ordeal and we see them running around, but we don't actually see her because she's in hospital and drip and everything. So we're back with um, Barbara. And basically, she's make, made a full recovery. She's feeling a lot better. Oh, I was so um, happy for this bit. Yeah, I'm really happy for this bit. It was uh, literally a beam of light. And basically, we learned that people who have... Um, like postpartum psychosis usually kind of like make very like easy for recovery especially if you've not had like a a history of mental health um, exactly beforehand the only thing that kind of affects it is if they stop taking their medication prematurely or um if they kind of have another kid that could flare up the same symptoms but again i guess it's better because like you know the drill so you can get Mm. yourself into treatment earlier um so, yeah, basically, like, she's good to go. Like, she's a lot better. So we're back with Lisa now. And she is leaving the home for the first time since she's been back. 
um, from hospital. So she's been struggling with extreme anxiety and she just decides to test the water with a score run. And like this score run, you can just see, like she is so, like she keeps saying, where are the kids? Um, there was a guy up in front of her, like, fixing, like, I don't know if it was, like, a pelican crossing or whatever. And, like, she's really scared of him. Um, so we learned from her partner that Lisa finally, well, not finally, like, it was a good thing, but she got to a point where she started having suicidal thoughts. Mm. And she basically just said to him one day, like, yeah, I want to kill myself. And she said that this feeling was with her for, like, three weeks. And the only way she could describe it was an overwhelming desire to kill herself, almost like a craving. And... I kind of processed it as like, I have a lot of dissociative thoughts mm. and I was very comforted by knowing that a lot of other people have it. But I can then yeah. imagine that this is like that dissociative thought following me like every yeah. day until I feel and like I must do it. Like oh, sometimes I'm driving in the car and like I might be driving like, um you know, like those country roads where by the side you can see it's just like mm-hmm. a drop into like, yeah. kill- and I'm like, oh, what if I just swerve the car and see oh, what I happens? Do. I have that. I have like, that. Oh. And a scratch, and then a scratch, scratch. Yeah, I, <laughs> I have I those thoughts, that. and I'm just like, what if actually like that followed me? And every time I got into the car, and then one day I scratch, scratch, and then. And so this is the thing, and the thing with Lisa is that like, Lisa's not really going anywhere, right? So it's like there are probably less opportunities. Obviously, you can kill yourself wherever, but there's less yeah. opportunities for her to do. So if Lisa was commuting to work every day, getting on the train and everything, how much longer would it be before one day she just thinks, "Fuck it," and then she just throws and herself jumps. in front of the train? Yeah. Do you see what it's I mean? Crazy. So it's yeah. like it's 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 really really scary. Like, and that's why you you'll deal. be on the tube and you'll be here like you'll hear like somebody jumped in front of a train, and you'll really be wondering like, oh my god, like I what? And you just have no fucking clue, like what mm. led to that decision. What was the final straw? Yeah, mm-hmm. but that feeling of an overwhelming desire mm-hmm. is a very strong way to describe. Like I just I had to do it for yeah. two three weeks. That's crazy, man. I like, just see it as like an itch. Like if I have an itch, I scratch mm-hmm. it. So it's just this yeah. itch that you need to you, scratch. You ha- and, and it's like you you need to scratch it, but you know you're thinking that I can't do this because I have, you know, this kid and mm. that kid and that kid and a husband and everything else. Yeah. So we're nearing the end now and Catherine is back home with her partner and son and she's feeling a lot better. She says she feels a connection to her son and she can actually say she loves him now, which was good. I did kind of feel like I hope she actually is better. Um, yeah, and it's not like an Instagram TV thing. Fam. So, um, Louis kind of concludes the documentary saying... In speaking to all the mums I'd met, I'd seen the most extreme versions of feelings familiar to many new parents, but that had tipped over into acute mental health crises. Making it worse was a weight of expectation about motherhood. But yeah, guys, that was a documentary. I would 100% to say watch it. And I'm not just saying I like, watch it because, oh, I'm like in the arena of motherhood and like this arena i'm sorry this arena i say arena because arenas are big so basically you know you have the like main (laughs) stadium where the gladiators fight then you took you queue up outside with your tickets to enter the stadium okay do you know what i am and then you get stuff you're not home you're you are no, like no 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 stop can I let me, let me land no I'm telling you where let you me are. land no 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 because no, if, you, if I, I let know. you land let me land you can say no, some no, dumb no. shit no, let me tell land. you okay let me tell no, you about where you are no let me tell you because I'm gonna forget no because I'm gonna forget no I'm gonna land I'm gonna land I said where I am but okay let me land okay now where are you no but you're in the arena I am no I'm not in the arena I'm in the ticket ticketing no you know the O2 Greenwich yeah I don't know if you're at the station. No, I'm not at the station. I'm not at the station. But you know when you get in, you walk into the main bit, yeah? They have yeah. the all bar one on the left, okay? Yeah, and, and the then stairs. when they tell you your gate is, what's that gate where, like, you literally walk all the way through Greenwich? 
you walk, you go to the right and you walk past, you yeah. walk past five guys, you walk past everywhere, you walk past like, literally it's like journey, yeah? Mm-hmm. Imagine that gate is motherhood, yeah? I am <laughs> in King's <Kingsbury. laughs> Away. Guys, Away. I see my face. Anyways, so if we look at O2 Arena, mm. I am... The Greenwich one. Yeah, I'm in the mm-hmm. queue about to like get my shit checked before I then go up to my gate. You were like... Okay, that's not that far. Well, I mean, I'm getting married soon, so I, I can't be that far. Okay, the where am I then? The marriage will be me, my shit being checked, and then I'm, like, walking to find my seat. You okay, are, like... You're in... You're outside of the arena queuing up to enter. So you're outside of Greenwich. You know they have, like, the tickets. If you want to buy tickets outside, like, all those people that buy tickets outside, I don't know why they do that. So tickets on the day. But you're talking so about, that... like... You're... That's where I am. But then you're saying that my destination is still that. You know when you go in, that I first know, but straight. once you've passed that, once you've passed, passed that, then it's all fair game. So all I know is you, you're not close to being checked, but you're... Okay, well, that's fine. I heard not close And you, you're doing because you're expedited. You don't know. You just don't expedited. know. Said Express expedited. delivery. Extra, extra. Read all about it. Petey's having a baby. I was just thinking, and I messaged Forens this randomly the other day, that, like, for nine months, you just can't drink. Even longer, because if you're breastfeeding, you just That's can't That's what drink. I was about to say. I asked my um, aunt, who's a doctor, and I was like, is there any way, like, can't I have a sip? Can't I Didn't they say in the news you can have red wine, like a glass of red wine? Didn't they say that? I said, can I not pump and then pump revisit? And she said, no, like, it stays in the system for, like, 18 hours. Okay, but who eats? Maybe we'll no, sleep but for I, 18 I, hours. I, Fam, I know the the year I want to start trying. So the year before, I'm gonna be drunk from like January through to December, and then after that, I'll know that. Like that. So you do, you just, it doesn't stay in your in your veins like that. I know, but I'll just live on the mems. Nine months—that's so rude. Well, I'm just not gonna go brunch. No bottomless brunches. Fam, I'm just thinking of the bottomless brunch I had last week, and that was that. Mm, stupendous. <laughs> Plus the journey home when I was chatting shit. Stupendous. I'm never going to have that experience again. Everyone around me is just going to be doing la di da da drunk and I'm just going to be sat there like a slapped Design- ass. Designated driver. Are you fucking kidding me, mate? Absolutely not. I'm just going to drink like... No, but um, absolutely. You're getting your ticket checked. Do you think that that is not coming soon? <laughs> I'm just going to drink lots of Nosecco and then convince myself I'm drunk. I think you can... I think you can fake it and then suddenly, like, the hormones and then you feel drunk. Or what if you get spiked with alcohol but you don't know it's alcohol? Let's like, say, for example, you accidentally give me real red wine and I'm not a bad mother because I didn't know that it wasn't real red wine. Don't tempt me with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> My tolerance is going to be at zero after giving birth. I'm going to have one no, but sip. it'll be great. Imagine how cheap the night's out will be. Oh, God. God, see me through because that is really... We're that's really what I'm thinking about... I, after a long day, I can't even just back a glass of wine. I don't even know how... So, so what are you supposed like, to do? What are you actually supposed to do? So what is the solution then? You can't just come know. with problems and then not provide a solution. So they say to us, you can't have alcohol. Okay, so what can I have then as a result? Sex. How do I replace it? That's what got us in this, here in the first place. <laughs> For me, I just... I'm so surprised by how many, like, expectant mothers I see that just are happy and whatever and... Are they on crack? They must be doing some sort of alternative. They're doing something. How? Something is being... Can you smoke weed when you're pregnant? I was thinking that, but I didn't want to say it because people will already write me off as an unfit mother. Let's take that offline. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, so next week we are doing BD, tell us. Oh, do you know what? It's so funny. I was supposed to choose and I completely forgot about that conversation. So, So, surprise! uh, 
surprise, surprise, nigga. Um, yeah, we'll play the trailer, of course, once we figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. But it's going to be a documentary about something, and that something is going to be something that we will discuss in depth during the episode. So, <laughs> um, in the meantime, between time, where can they find us? They can find us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and Facebook at Two Girls One Doc, and there's an underscore on TikTok. Yeah. And you can, find, can find me on Twitter and Instagram Borens with two underscores and also my other podcast Character, Character Replay. And also yeah. at the end of the aisle ooh, oh, in a white dress. Also in the delivery room. <laughs> oh my gosh, fuck that shit mate. Not after this. Give oh, it a gosh. break. Have mercy. I'm reckon that people don't find you on nothing basically. <laughs> basically, basically listen um, go on two girls one docking it. Just go there. Save your Just time. Just go there. <laughs> Save your time. Yeah. Um, all right, boys and girls. Well, have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Yeah. It's been or real. Or afternoon. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Bye. Fever is kicking my ass. It was a beautiful morning. Everybody was everywhere. All of a sudden, police walked over. I went, that's a bomb. Did you think of the consequences? It was my destiny. It was just complete shock and helplessness. This was like a war scene. Detectives fear the bomb could be the start of a terror campaign. I thought it was a racist thing. Was it a group of people? Was it one person? There was lots of speculation. And then... The second weekend running in the capital, ethnic communities have once again been targeted. This strikes at the heart of the Bengali community. We will defeat the people who are responsible for these bombs. I spent 10 years undercover in the far right. I've got a different perspective. There was talk about starting a race war. All someone had to do was light a match. Whilst the politicians and the police were dithering, the bomber is preparing the next bomb. It brought the pressure to a different level. Nobody was thinking about the fact that this could go wider to the gay community. I was passing by and then He's murdered an unborn child. Well, I was never going to let him get away with it. There'd never been a serial bomber. People were afraid. They're trying to drive us apart! It was down to us. We're coming together in a way you've never seen us before! This was somebody who hated difference. What gives me hope is that there are more good people than bad people. I knew we needed to stop him.